keep going. Welcome back to the Keep Going podcast. In this episode, Michael and I roll without John, but his spirit is certainly present. In the last episode, John and I introduced our concept of four systems and how nearly all training can be slotted into one of these categories. In this episode, Michael and I decide to kick the tires on this concept by considering his current planning of his training through the lens of these four systems. As Michael shares, he wants to compete at Ironman Texas in the Woodlands on April 27, 2024, and he wants to make it a beautiful race. We introduced the beautiful race concept in episode 21, titled The Art of Running. Check that out. Here we look at what a longer approach to a training cycle might look like as Michael asks me how I would recommend he approach the pre-training block. What follows is a refreshing luxury for me. I get to spend the time unpacking how a two to three month pre-training phase might be approached. And I think the content in this episode is incredibly useful, if rarely considered, to say nothing of it actually being implemented. So those looking for a secret weapon to performance excellence will find here gems of wisdom that are often hidden underground. Join us in this episode we call A Very Good Place to Start, where we excavate these precious stones for your benefit. Godspeed, my friends. Godspeed. I guess it would be the cardiovascular system. Mm -hmm. What would it call the second one? The cardiovascular system. Yeah, the cardiovascular system. To delineate between those is not something that's referred to often. And what's incredibly important about that too is that, yes, we are using for categorical, for, the, for reasons of categorization, for ease of understanding and, and, and paying attention, we're talking about something where we're artificially creating some kind of discrete category. But the human body doesn't operate in discrete categories <laughs> it operates as a unified system a living system an evolving changing adaptive system that's in play and so what when we talk about doing multiple episodes you can talk about doing a skeletal one a musk a, a, a cardiovascular one you can talk about doing a um the the you know the, what's going on from a metabolic standpoint and then going into the nervous system but then you can talk about this, the gaps and the spaces between, or if you put all four of them, is there a Venn diagram of four systems and where they all come together? There's a lot of shit to play with there. Yeah, and yeah, I think, like I mentioned, is that when I'm thinking about the metabolic system, which is what I think about quite often, I fail to think about the cardiovascular system as the primary conduit of that it's a it's a muscle it's like what's the tool it's like how do you take care of the tool so that the tool can do the thing do the thing equals the metabolic the tool equals the thing itself it's the it, you know so that that's to me what kind of like well it raises questions how do you take care of the tool and then how do you use it and if you want to talk about a tool, go to the musculoskeletal system because that's the actual tool because it's the tendons and ligaments doing their connective thing, the tensegrity thing. I talked about it with it. It's like all those things doing their thing that you don't ever relate to, discuss, consider. I mean... Right, right. So you almost can apply a methodology of referring to the systems when asking questions yes for example if we were to go with the topic um i steve came in we didn't have a topic and i asked him if he wanted to deep dive into um pre-training training a pre-training block um and kind of the options uh is that worth talking about steve or should we kind of go into it oh yeah for sure i mean i think it's uh we don't have john here today so it makes sense for us to um, go on to a topic that, um, although I do, we will miss him today because of this topic. Wouldn't mm -hmm. he? He would. He would some good insight. But I think he's got it, some working with the kiddos. It's it's front of mind for you, and so it's part of what you're baking right now. You know, you're in your prep phase. We were just watching this ma maestro of pizza making doing his dough making, and we were just mesmerized because the two of us are like pizza 
talk about Anthony Mangieri, a guy that I came across years ago when I was doing my hot dog restaurant. And I was like, this guy's got it made. <laughs> and we both have secret fantasies of being um, pizzeria, yeah. only pizzeria. <laughs> um, oh, <shit>. a paisano. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but he's building the basic constituent parts for his future pie of a triathlon. That's in, it. Uh, That's nearly it. a year away from now, right? What's the like, oven and... What do you, what's it fueling? Right. It's, it's interesting, the question, because I've been doing a lot of thinking for context. The only race I have planned is not necessarily a running race, but it has running in it. Uh, it will be Ironman Texas 2024. And my only goal with this race is to, I want to apply the beautiful race concept to the race which is something that I've never done in triathlon. And so my goal is to do that. But I want to spend a lot of time meditating on that and setting myself up for that and taking enough time to kind of really understand what that would entail. So for context, the race is in like April 2024. So quite a bit of time. Uh, a block for some a race like that for a middle packer like me, age grouper like me would be, you know, six months start to finish, maybe some prep before if you're just like couch to Ironman kind of a kind of a situation is a, a little bit longer than a marathon block um, by by a few weeks. Uh, and in this case, that's not really until, you know, holiday season at the end of this year, October, November, December, really starting to think about the race. So what's in my mind right now uh, is what what exactly are the levers that I can pull for the next, I don't know, how many months is it? Just skip this month, count July, July, August, September, October, you know, four, four or five months of play, but really wanting to optimize myself and put myself up for a position to really start training to a level that maybe I've never started training into a, into a, a block before. Maybe I've never set myself up for a block like I'm, I have the ability to do right now. So the question to Steve was just blanketly, in your opinion, you know, are we looking at, you know, short power, you know, short, short, um, short, like instead of endurance sessions, uh, we're doing shorter power sessions. Are we spending a lot of time? Like I've got so many options. I can spend a lot of time at a low intensity because I don't want to fritz myself before the training starts. Or I can spend, you know, less time just playing around, working on form, working on power, getting strong, like building muscle, kind of all that stuff. So it's just like, well, maybe there's a cocktail of both. Maybe there's all three. But then I started thinking about this episode that y'all recorded um, talking about the systems. And maybe there's a way to conceptualize this pre-training block and to kind of attach the systems to it and kind of just take a look at that. It's a bit of a deep a deep dive in that, but maybe you can clean that up if you want to, but that's kind of the overview. Well, let's see if we can pull that thread together at the end. Sure. Let's see if we yeah. can pull that together. Or, or constantly wait and see where it comes up in the conversation. I love that idea. And of course, being a running podcast, like we don't want to go too far off the rails into you know, multi-sport land, but maybe find ways to kind of just talk about it from a high level view. Well, I work with a lot of triathletes and have worked with a lot of triathletes mm -hmm. over the years. So, um, next week we have the great Paul Carroza for his second episode. So stoked in. about that. Yeah, He's going to be here to next week again. And, and he, uh, I think he should patent this. If he hasn't, he should, um, he used to say about the triathlon, the Ironman, especially you can't escape the run. And, Everything mm -hmm. comes back to the run and everything needs to be putting yourself in a position to be successful in the run. So I do think running coaches discussing triathlon training isn't off base. Um, and he's, his daughter is a swimmer, is that correct? She was a, yes, an, an incredibly talented swimmer. Um, and his son's yeah. an incredibly talented well, He's at the end, he just, he yeah. just made it through the prelims to go to the finals at the NCAA I mean, championships. So he's going to be a really fun to talk to about that. Maybe yeah. somebody I'm else so happened excited. to for some extra. I'm so excited about yeah, that. Yeah. Stoked. Mm -hmm. So you know what's really cool about the way we do this podcast, Michael, is like all this shit comes together. Like mm -hmm. you just, if you build it, they will come. The old great, you know, feel the dreams. That's it. That's it. If you build it, they will come. Um, so let me answer your question or I'm going to, first what I'm going to say is, I'm gonna, before I answer your question, I'm going to do a bit of a preamble in typical system fashion. This question that you're asking is um, a luxury. This is like me going to a spa in mm -hmm. Kauai, Hawaii, 
luxuriating in a beautiful place where I can just conceptually think and no responsibility to anybody at any time because this is not the way I have that I get to operate very often frequently the way I operate as a coach is shit I gotta race in four yeah. months we gotta and then I gotta race in four months after that and I gotta race in four months after that so I just want to double click on this real quick and just say to everybody who's listening if you I know I've preached this before my athletes I work with that tell us they hear me say it all the time you need to take time to recuperate and recover from a training block like Michael did for Boston. And then you need to refresh in that recuperation and be thinking forward to what you want to achieve. And you've spent some good bit of time thinking about that. You also happen to get married in the middle of it and you're still running a successful business at the same time. So it is a little crazy, but you have taken that space that you that you devote to your endurance practice and you've said, how do I maximize it? What Number one, what the fuck do I want? This is a lot of people don't ask themselves at a big level. Like a long view picture, what do I want? You've decided, I want to nail, I want to I do a beautiful race for an Ironman distance. Let's set that up as the objective. And then from there, you've stepped back and said, okay, how much time do I have? I've, I've discreetly decided I'm going to do six months of focused training, what we might call specific or or you know, training in a way that is really dialed into the race itself. Thinking about it, thinking yeah. about the. And then before you know, that, now you've got these four to five months that you're talking about that you have space around. Um, and I just want to encourage anybody that's listening to, if you get the ch- chance to do this, and again, just so you know, it is your choice. No one's making you. You're not a collegiate athlete. You're not a pro athlete. You can do this. You can get ready for whatever marathon you want to get ready for or whatever half marathon you want to get ready for. You can take as long as you want to, to get ready for it. So this episode is not a pipe dream it's a real thing and you can do it and i hopefully after you hear it you'll see oh my god i would really love to do that so where do we start your your question to me is where do i start i start as the great uh is it mary poppins who said uh start at the very beginning because it's a very good place to start <laughs> and the the beginning is where am i now okay and then i like to also bring another reference of saying but what does the race require? That's that's a classic Sisson statement. Um, and so you're at the place you are now, coming out of a really good marathon training block, spend some time doing some cycling, getting some gear right, getting all your tech stuff ready. You got your special sunglasses and all the other shit that you got to get together. So you've, you've set all that, you've, you, you know, you've set all, you've got all your tools at the ready. And now you think, okay, this is where I am now. And you might want to do some baseline stuff. So you might want to go think about getting, um, if I were you, I'd think about getting some kind of testing. And if you live in Austin, Texas, or you come here, we've got a great place that you can get tested for, you know, your VO2 max. You can also get tested for your lactate threshold. And there's some numbers you can play with. Even if you don't use those, if you've got, you know, $8,500, $100, that's about what it costs here. And you can do that every three to four months. You'll get some numbers that will be really interesting to you. And you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to be able to to translate those right away, you just need to get the first metric. And then hopefully in this podcast, eventually down the road, we'll be breaking those things apart and helping you determine what to do with that. And maybe we can use you as an example for that, Michael. But yeah. I would say, okay, where are you starting? So as you're starting, where are you starting physiologically? And you're also thinking about where you're starting from a volume perspective. So what is your current volume in the three disciplines that you're doing? And um, for runners, it's what are you doing weekly volume? And and then um, is that the appropriate volume currently for what you want to achieve long term? Or is there a build that you need to do? Um, and if I'm talking to a triathlete, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to help handle your running, but you need to talk to your swim coach to make sure your volume is appropriate there. And then you need to talk to your cycling coach and make sure your volume is appropriate there. And what we're talking about with that volume is basically what, we're, what, what I would say is um, – aerobic endurance this is the stuff we talked about with mafetone zone two blah 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 it's like low intensity long duration aerobic work that's the foundational premise of everything we're doing because that's the basic soup in any endurance event that's the thing that you're operating on primarily is your ability to handle a long-term aerobic work and capillarization um, mitochondrial density these are fancy terms but what they basically say is your muscles tendons and ligaments are ready to do the things that you're going to ask them to do on race day and you're just building the biggest base you possibly can for that that's where the volume comes in and then you might say so but i have a distribution of work like we were talking about in that episode four systems how do i distribute that work what i would argue right away the first thing you do is just leave that alone 
for just a little while. And Can we go over the systems in case they missed the last episode? Just sure. For they're context. the musculoskeletal system. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where your tendons, ligaments, bones, and the, the levering and the st- energy storage and the balancing and all the things that it's happen. the steel and the scaffolding is Correct. everything that, that's gone up. Correct. And then there's the cardiovascular system, and this is your engine. This is how the engine runs. This is the heart. This is the um, lungs. This is the... Uh, the, the way that the that the blood and the oxygen are taken out to the working muscles to do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. And then there's the metabolic system, which is basically the little powerhouses, the mitochondria doing their things and doing them in really sport-specific ways. So as a triathlete, it's a little different than what you want to be. Then you, you need to think about structuring your training a little bit differently than a marathoner does. Because a marathoner is only doing one thing, and they're happening to be doing that same thing over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little different there, but the basic concept still sits there. And then finally is the nervous system. It's like, what are you doing to create a comprehensive, cohesive, truly smooth experience of what you're doing? So are you enjoying it? Are you having taking pleasure in it? Are you sleeping well? Are you able to take care of um, all the other pieces to make sure that you're a comprehensive, cohesive human spe- human specimen? Um, that's what I call mental or the or the or the or the um, nervous system. So those are the four systems, and you want to keep them in mind, but right now what I think you want to do is just say, okay, I've got those there, and we're going to start working on that. We're going to be thinking about that. But the biggest bang for my buck is to get my base big. Now let's quickly break into three sports, just just as we're setting the stage here. Swimming. Mm-hmm. Most swimming is done with a huge base. Now you need mechanics there. That's really important. All triathletes I meet, I've already told you this before, um, the highest suggest- greatest suggestion I can make is invest in a good stroke ma- mechanics coach who breaks you down one-on-one. Whatever you spend on it, it will be worth it in terms of your experience because swimming mechanics are not natural like running mechanics are, and they need to be trained, and you need to be doing that. And this is a great time to be working on that because you're not— It's a lot of unnatural core work. Correct, um, and then and then you have to get your hand out of the water. There's mm-hmm. a lot of thinking. There's a lot of there's a lot of nervous system work of wiring together and firing together that has to happen. If you're doing heavy load and heavy endurance, heavy speed, and a lot of stuff at the same time that you're working on that, it's working at countermeasures. So it's not a real good idea. Mm-hmm. So, then let's talk about the cycling. Um, uh, my ex-wife was a pretty big triathlete, and she coached triathlon for a good bit of time. And one of the things she used to say all the time. Cycling is the most critical part of triathlon purely because you spend so much time doing it in the event. So if you suck at it, you're going to suck two-thirds of the race or whatever that number is. It's mm-hmm. it's not – maybe it's a half. I don't know exactly, exactly what it all breaks down to time-wise, but it's a really disproportionate amount of time that you're spending on that bike, especially Ironman. So yeah. at that point – Not even in the race, but in the training. Yeah, and know. so you need to be ready for that, and so you want to be thinking, how do I maximize that? So you don't need to be thinking at that point about what your power meter is reading. Your power meter is really not that important right now. What's important is how many minutes or miles do I need to get on my bike to get myself at a good base? This is my place that I operate from. So swimming, you get your, how many meters in the pool do you want to swim on a daily basis or on a weekly basis, however you're going to break that down, and then get your your stroke mechanics down there. Cycling, get your gear set like you talked about, but get your zone two riding locked and loaded. Um, And you might want to be playing around a little bit with thinking at this juncture, especially unless you live in a southern locale and most of these races that I see in Ironman are done in hot weather conditions mm-hmm. just acclimating yourself to being outdoors on your bike as often as possible is good for you long term especially as you think about going into the fall I mean into the when you start you'll be starting in January where it's cold and beautiful cold or beautiful mm-hmm. right and you won't even really get a hot weather day which which Ironman are you doing uh, Texas and it's oh, in the so woodland, be, so it's it will be hot, hot as fuck right it's, so I think you, it's like 80 90 and degrees you need and to be thinking about that as being a really big component of what's going on with this. So you just want to be thinking, but that's what I would be thinking about. And then from the running perspective, the wonderful thing about run training for triathlon is just get as fit as you can. Operate primarily um, around that big zone too, that big getting your engine really, really big. Um, But then I would also argue, just like you did in swimming, I would argue work on some 
what I call speed economy work, which we I broke down a little bit in that discussion on the musculoskeletal system. Just like in swimming, you want your mechanics to be really good. In running, you can want to, you want to you want to shore up that as much as possible and just start thinking about how that operates and how that works. There are way less coaches out there that understand this concept, and it's a challenging one. But I would just be thinking if I were coaching you, I'd be like, think about that too. Be sure as you're getting your volume up, you're also doing a good bit of that work. So that sets the frame that Mm -hmm. I would be talking about. And then I would say, once you set that up, I might take two months, three months where I did that. And then I would do every session I did swimming, maybe not swimming because you'll probably hire a coach, right? For swimming. You may, or you may Mm -hmm. swim with Mm -hmm. a, or you may swim with a, with a a master's, with a master's Mm -hmm. program or something like that. So they're going to periodize and plan all that. But what I would suggest you do is you go into that from a free play model. This is a new concept. I'm I've been, it's something that's old, but I'm just reframing it in a way. Free play is this idea that you're going in and you're just having fun with challenging yourself, but you're not going to get too tweaked out about metrics and data sets and all those things other than your volume and your mechanics. And you're just focusing on that, but then you do whatever your coach gives you. If your coach gives you stuff that's more VO2 max, fast stuff, stuff, or gives you long distance stuff, gives you drill stuff. You just mix all that in, but you're not worrying about it. Right. Um, on the cycling, I don't think there's, you know, the cycling has no mechanics at all to it. It's all just super simple. It's all basic. Um, but you can do free play stuff there. You might just jump on a Peloton occasionally or get a coach. If you have a coach, just look, or I wouldn't even hire a cycling coach at this point in time. I would, because I would not want, they are going to want to put you through a ringer. And you can do it in the swimming, but on the cycling, as soon as you start going through the room, as soon as you start going into any... It's so much time that it's the the stake, the risk is so high to get in and be fritzed it, because... To be fritzed, to be burnt out, to be torched, to be mm-hmm. not wanting to do it anymore. I jumped in a ride last week, a group ride, mm-hmm. and there were probably... And it, it was advertised at like 14 to 17 miles an hour. I was like, perfect, zone two, easy going. We're going to ride to almost to, uh, I think it was... San Marcos and back. It was a little bit it was past Kyle and yep, back. Yep. I know that ride. Yeah, 70, I know that ride 70 really well. ish yep. miles. And um, did you stop at the pie place? Did you eat pie? No, <laughs> we didn't. We maybe came back right. I don't know. It was like a field that we turned around in. It was beautiful. I haven't been out there uh, in a long time. And this was the first that I've gone. But they were, the cyclists are, are crazy because especially the road cruises, they're not going to go slow. They are going to drop you. And I was at the back of the pack and I just, I couldn't hang on for my work. So I think the culture of cycling is always about power. It's always about speed. I think, so something I really realized was like, if I do that, I need to know what I'm getting into, which working the metabolic system in that regard, I'm thinking to myself, well, can I pull that lever every once in a while, get out there and have a good time and just try and keep up with the pack? You know, it was like, well, that's how much of that, that can I, that's can I free play? Right. That's right. Free play. But you're not going in with any real, you're not going in with some specific objective. You're just saying today I'm going to have fun and I know I'm going to get a benefit out of it, but mm-hmm. I'm not worried about the periodization because I've got an entire phase of worrying about all that stuff. Right. And then that frees you up. And then from a running perspective, I would suggest, um, joining a crew, if you've got a coach, just make sure they understand what you're doing. But if you don't have a coach, you can do a wide variety of different sessions. You can pick the brains or grab a book and just work it. So from the running perspective, anyway, all that I would just wanted to set up and, and, and I'll stop for a little bit because th- that's what I would do for the summer. That's what I would do. July, you know, what so you got left seem in like June, it's July, right or August. wrong land. Um, what are the big... What are the big factors that you would look and as a coach to say, there's a lot that you can do right. Um, there's a lot of fun that you can have. There's a lot of, you know, the, the goal is to kind of de-stress and de-risk, but set yourself up a little bit of aerobic optimization, you know, work all of the systems in a very kind of um, e- even fashion, a balanced fashion, um, including really diving into the mechanics of something like a swimming or running form or, you know, uh, Maybe I'll look at my stride and take a look at my funky looking stance in the in the gait cycle. Um, so, and this is this is what we call working your weaknesses. Well, so what I, are the risks associated? Is my question. Like, what what I, could I, don't I think, what could people or runners getting ready for these races, in your opinion, what could they possibly do wrong that would set them up 
for failure. There's a lot that can be done. I mean, if you do nothing, you can get ready for your training block and you just go train and do the block. That's what most nine out of 10 people are going to do anyway. Wait till six months out. Most triathletes that I know don't swim in the off season. They just kind of quit. And then they decide that they're going to do a race. They're going to get back in the pool and they start from basically zero and they work our way up back to the last race. Runners are not quite the same. Runners seem to keep a cadence, keep, keep kind of like lower the volume, lower the intensity. They don't show up to the run group every, you know, three days a week. They show up maybe one to two. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, if we're looking to get serious about not getting serious, so to speak, in, in, in weird words, what's the biggest risk that somebody could take a look at? The biggest risk is that you're going to um, jump into that long ride to San Marcos, grind big gears, get after it, tuck in, go after those guys, and then say, ooh, I really want to go through a cycling block. I'm just going to get some really serious shit, and I'm just going to go after it. You get distracted. You get you change your focus because we're so driven to pursue. We're so driven to get better, and we don't have the long-term approach. This is where the amazing Mark Allen is the person to listen to and yeah. think about. He just... Just he and this is where Maffetone stuff is so good. It's just sit in the zone to work. You, I think you can sprinkle in a variety of other stuff outside of it. But if you're in the zone two as your fundamental primary operative space, and you sprinkle in free play stuff around it just to have fun, then you're safe, and the risk is really really low. But when you decide, oh, maybe I'll just go do all the driveway rides. Let's do a training. Then cycle I want to get fit. Then I want to get do fit. a training cycle. Yes, like we're gonna go get back to race pace last season. And then we're going to start training <laughs> just because, like, let's let's get 25% better on our next race. And the, re- the risk is there's a small Which risk. Which is what I want to do mentally. Yes. And I'm trying not everybody, to do it. Everybody yeah, wants to do that. Yeah, you know, I will say that, like, that's the thought. That's the insidious that's thought. That's why I'm so – that's why I'm insistent upon this, but I have great compassion and empathy for people because I understand it's a cultural construct. It's a culture thing. And, and it's, it isn't running, believe me. In my group, especially, my group operates much more like a cycling group because it because mm. we're we're tip of a spear. We we train really hard. Their coach understands those four systems, works them, and athletes are constantly getting ready for races. So when you jump in, you know your wife Lena. She right now she's jumped in and she's like, "What am I getting ready for? I don't know what the fuck I'm getting ready for." But she's getting ready for as as a great Des Linden said, "I'm getting ready for life, motherfucker." Mm-hmm. Like that's a fucking. That's the attitude. So you just want to be like, what you're getting ready for is setting this giant foundation. And the risk is getting too focused on some specific area and losing the opportunity to maximize those gains. Now, the other risk is is that you might um, not recognize that you're setting an intention. Now, we have a, a secret episode that you and I cut on intention that we yeah. still haven't put out there. But the basic idea here is if you don't set up before you start something that's big, something really important to you, if you don't lay a foundation of your mental approach of what you're bringing body, mind, and soul to the endeavor clearly, then it's going to be hard to handle the big stressors later on when they come up, whether they come up from the stress of doing the work on how it impacts your life and your family and your relationships or how it impacts your business and your work world or how it impacts your emotional. What if you blast out your adrenal glands and you're exhausted and you're totally fatigued like done that I, how do mm-hmm. you how are you going to respond to that if your intention is not set correctly and if you set your intention in this phase it actually helps you mitigate the chances that that risk that we just talked about of blasting and going too hard and too fast early you can really take an opportunity set that intention clearly concisely with the idea that the maximal volume that i want to hold six months out in january i should be at that place sometime in October. Then we can talk about what happens, or in September, we could talk about what happens after that. But I think that's the critical piece that I would suggest for your summer and how I would approach it. Let me ask you a question. In terms of, in that process of setting the intention, let's assume that an athlete or a runner, you know, has got a, got a race time that they have in mind based off of their last race time. They've done a 301, they want to do a sub three. They're engineering a 258 10 months from now. How much of that time is a part of their intention? I know we know that time goals are relatively arbitrary until they aren't, until we set one and then it's like, okay, you know, like we, let's just say it's a desire. Do we 
in this block of um, pre-training block play, you know, it, it, are we thinking about, when you think about the intention, do we bake in those times? Do we bake in some of those metrics? Do we play around with them? Or do we just leave that for the block itself and just focus on um, taking a look at the systems holistically and kind of just getting an objective snapshot? Because like what we've established that we need to get a baseline. And that is, that's not, that's not a desire. It is exactly what it is. My cycling FTP right now is like, you know, I have it at 230. It's not right. That's a bit high. You know, I'm like 145 pounds. And I think it's more like 220 because I'm just like eating dirt every ride. You know, so I'm like, okay, let's just bake it back down. Let's get a real shot. Let's like do this right. Let's get a benchmark. Um. Also, y'all can laugh at that FTP too. It's I'm not a strong cyclist, but (laughs) regardless, we are here now. We have a desire to be somewhere in the future, but then there's this period when the block starts. How much of that are we reverse engineering? Um, I would argue that, um, so this really comes into a concept that I like to talk about of where, um, we set goals, um, when we set them in a four-month window, uh, the goal becomes really important because it's the, the proximity toward the event. Uh, the specificity is high, right? So when you have a specific, when you're in a specific phase. The baseline starts to reconcile with the goal a little bit more realistically, Well, so you, you're going to do a baseline in June, July at some point in these three sports. <laughs> and then you're going to do a baseline again Um Maybe you'll do one in between, but for sure you're probably going to do another one in January. If you get serious about baseline, you really want to see those numbers because they're sexy and they're fun. And you and in six months, in five months, you're going to see huge changes in those metrics. Mm-hmm. So, I would actually argue you know that you want to reach a certain goal, um, and this is where I think in the power of intention is so amazing. Is don't think about the number, okay? Or you can think about the number, but don't think about the number from the perspective of uh, what do I need to do to get that number. Instead, think about the number in a way that is really what I think is what is actually happening when people train. So this is a big, this is a big concept. So let me see if I can narrow that down. What is the experience? Why are you doing this goal? You're doing this goal so you can come across the finish line at Ironman Texas and have a inner experience to feel a certain way. And the number is Crucial and critical to that. But that number is not the thing you're trying to do. You're setting that number so you can have this experience, this full, embodied, present, hopefully, like, totally feed positive feedback loop. Let's go eat some pizza and celebrate experience. Or you, know, you like eat us. shit or you eat shit yeah. and you pay and you play and, but you, but you're still, you're still sad, but you're smiling because you got what you paid for. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, so there's this experience you want to have when you come across the finish line. That's what I would focus on in my intention. What is that experience I want to have? Because if you can build that, cause I think this is something that people miss. This is the power of intention that I argue should be baked into our training all the time that we don't. And that's what is the inner experience you want? The number is the outer representation of that. It is the outcome. But the process, you're going to get all this wonderful experience, life experience between um, today and um, the day right before the gun goes off in your race. And all of that is part of the process. But then there's the process that starts when the gun goes off, which is the culmination of all that work. So what is that going to feel like? What do you want that race to feel like? And what do you want that finish line experience to feel like? That's what I would focus on. If I was going to go specific, that's as specific as I would go. I would use the number as a baseline for my mental nervous system intention setting. I was going to say that what's interesting that that was my thought, which is, is it safe to assume that the clearer the intention, the most optimized the nervous system is going to be most likely if that is a true and it, this is what all spiritual traditions do. This is what all magical traditions do. This is what shamanism is. This is what ritual is. They're all designed to set up a system of consistent 
continuous, consistent feedback loops that allows the nervous system to function so well that it looks like when they set the goal or they set the objective, that the, all of a sudden it's magic. How did they do that? It's so far beyond what they were capable of because they take the time to get mm -hmm. the nervous system to align appropriately with a core set of goals. And then the human species is fucking amazing what it can do. It just, it can get better and better and better. And it wants to get better and better. Whatever's baked into the fabric of reality is crazily in, involved in. This is when I talk about the universe is helping me. I don't really mean that the universe is conscious of me as a human being. There's no, it's not, it's, imp that if it's impersonal. Mm -hmm. It doesn't care, but it does want, evolution shows. If evolution is true, it shows that nature wants to play and it wants to iterate towards <laughs> something better something more something different something changed and as athletes that's what you're that's what you're endeavoring to do and you're endeavoring to do it against across three different domains and then put that all together for one domain which is super interesting and fun um, so I think that's the way I would frame all of that and say that my intention is more about getting my nervous system right like aligning my mind and my body and whatever soul element you want to bring into that I'll remind people of the multiple episodes that we talked about soul being your personal vibe like your way of being like your happy place your unique self instead of uh, some kind of space inside of you that god is in or not in or whatever that shit is i just don't think i think it's your michael i know you well enough to know you gotta your soul is your personal style i cannot be you you cannot be me we both know we can't be john like john's got a soul and we love that soul and it can't be anything other than and if it's if he's doing bad things that are not good for him, his soul is still operating in that space. Mm -hmm. And if he's iterating in the most positive way and his life is going, that's also his soul. It never leaves you. It's always with you. So I think that that could be baked into it. And that's what I talk about the nervous system. It's like all those things aligning in a really important way. The cool thing about that thought is y'all asked a question. What's the, when you're, when you're doing something specific work, when you're doing specific work, um, just, call it a workout um is there what's the percentage of all of the the four systems like what is it 25 25 25 25 and instantly what came to mind is there is no percentage there's not a pie it's it's just a it's a reconciliation they all sit right on top of each other if you're properly working the nervous system it feels like my gut says that you're also working the other systems your shadow working the other systems as well i think that it's a hundred percent of all of them all the time and they sit on top of each other that was my that was my thought so like if you're if you have you seen our new logo at telos mm -mm. oh a, with the with the rings it's a stack yeah it's we a call stack. we call it the stack yeah so it's stacking those systems together and recognizing mm -hmm. them all as an inter they're not they have to be holes they're unique but they're they're unique and have discrete spaces but they're holes, but they're the whole is the whole. Like they're all stacking on top of each other in really important parts. This is what the Telos system is designed to do, working at multiple levels all the time, using those systems to try to optimize for all that. So yeah, you're totally describing exactly. Or another way to say it is what we talked about in one of our episodes, which is everything is training. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And it begs the question, if if you're like me, you might not be able to clearly set an intention because there's... <laughs> like a lot of noise and a lot of ego or something that's kind of clouding the water. And it's like, well, what do you do then? Um, typically what I find is to work one of the other realms in its entirety. Work the, you know, we don't talk much about like weights or gym routines or Mark Allen's workout circuit that he's got. I think it was like nine workouts for triathletes or something, or but like a runner circuit that you baked into your plan that Kristen designed and I think Katie designed mm -hmm. a, some of it. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not entirely sure, but it was like, well, if you're taking care of your muscular skeletal system, the odds are that you're probably not laying to rest your aerobic system. And maybe you are, but it, but it seems like it would, they would all kind of, if you lose your intention, to wrap that all up, if you lose your intention, maybe it's worth working one of the other systems, honestly, because you'll always kind of find your way back into seeing a little bit clearer. But I do think that it's probably a, maybe more of an advantage 
to start with an intention to let the nervous system cascade down into the other ones. Uh, maybe because it starts with the mind but if you lose the mind you could probably find your way back by working the metabolic the cardiovascular and the muscular skeletal i would agree with you 100 percent. but the key component of that that would be necessary for that to work would be free play this is why i love this idea of free play if you're gonna go into that domain you need to go especially because we're early on in our cycle like this is what we're talking about. You need to bring into that. Yes, I want to focus on my musculoskeletal system, but make sure it's free play. Design it, but don't design it in such a way that you've got to hit these reps at these numbers. Because that would match. compromise. Now you're on training. Now you're really, That would compromise really, the intention, which compromises the, you know, And it undermines that. It undermines all the things you're saying, and you're lying balance. to yourself. This is why I say it all the time. Athletes are full of shit. They don't mean to be. I don't think that they are at some deep metaphysical it's just the way we are like we can't we we don't see clearly what our goal is because we don't set clear intentions so um i love it yeah so moving on to the next phase let's now talk about the next phase so i would say sometime in september or october i've got your got you've you've free played in a variety of different areas you've got your volume up because remember that's our main objective Uh, miles matter meters matter if you're in the pool like you need to get that set what's your metrics where do you want to sit and make sure that that's, that that's um, a sweet spot, that that's something you can sustain over a long window of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just reading about Rob DiCostello, this a great Australian marathoner who averaged for five years. So his five-year average, not every year he averaged, but his five-year average miles per week was 135 miles a week. <laughs> that includes break time, downtime, off time. That was a sustainable load. But for the vast majority of people, now he's a full-time professional and he's Australian. So they're tough as nails. Like they're just cut from a different cloth something, over there. Something down there. There's something the, down there in, in the, the water. There's something <laughs> down there. There's something down there. But that, at that, you know, this is, this is the late seventies, early eighties when he was in yeah. his heyday. It was really, really good. But for somebody else that might be 60 miles a week or 70 miles a week. And for you, it might be some distribution of swimming, cycling and, and running. And I would just say, make sure you've got those numbers set. So then what we do in September, now we start to do the one percenters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you bring in those little tiny things because you set up the 90% of what's going to happen. Or, or let's say, I think on an Ironman triathlon, at least 90% of what's happening is happening, benefiting from significantly long extended periods of zone two training. So that would be hard to find somebody who doesn't necessarily prescribe that. They've, they've popped up every, every once in a while in, in recent to kind of do like, you know, they're doing a lot of threshold know, work yeah. there, but they're also built of big volume. Many of those people, what you don't see is the contextual situation of mm-hmm. five years of base building that was happening before that. Right. And then There's, they're kind of like, you have these like super, you get a human snapshot. Middle packers, yeah, you then, get, and then they go in. It's like, well, of course your periodization try to do work that. is yeah. going to be awesome. Yeah. They try to do it that way. So, <laughs> yeah. but once you've got that 90%, then you've got, then I would say 9% is then metabolic. So 9% of what's going on is metabolic, but really, I mean, this is, this is where Maffetone Mark Allen and Maffetone, their work together, mm-hmm. to me, it's just l- listen to a few podcasts. I'll, I'll post up one or two that I listen to that Mark Allen has done. Listen to him talk about the respect that he has for Phil Maffetone. I don't buy yeah. the Phil Maffetone model of strict zone two work. I think it's good to work on mechanics. It's good to work on a little bit of other stuff, and it's good to have fun. It's good mm-hmm. to play. There's a thing about Maffetone system, walk up a hill if your heart rate goes too high. I'm just sorry. That's not fucking real. I don't want to do that. I'm not interested in that. I can see how Mark Allen might do that, but I'm not going to do that. And no athlete I ever work with is going to. But if you'll premise and value 80% of what Maffetone says or more than that, you will absolutely game change. You're going to be running. successful. Oh, you're going to be hugely. That's successful. the interesting thing is. I like, don't care how you, many double just, thresholds you do. I don't care what your V dot is. I don't care what your 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 millimoles that you can push in terms of threat handling. Like if you don't have a fucking engine, you're going to get your ass beat. Like it's just going to happen. And Mark Allen, when he shifted and went from being world from being world class, national class to the world champion, repeatedly, what did he do? He did huge, Maftone. giant he volumes. Started meditating of or something. Yes. And then just like got his nervous system right. Yeah, got his nervous system. Got right. his volume right. So yeah. I'm giving you a model of that. I'm saying, yeah. defrag your nervous system. Get mm-hmm. your volume up. Lock and load that, and then go work on the one and keep those numbers going. Now you mm-hmm. keep your intention playing. You keep your volume up, and then you go lift weights. Mm-hmm. Then you go do some mobility work if that's of interest to you. Maybe you, if you're a free play person, maybe you go explore something like and like animal flow. 
Uh, do yoga. Try something different that puts your body into different motions that you know is going to going to give you a direct benefit psychologically and physiologically for the work that you're doing. So if you're going to work biomechanics, I'd say do the speed. I would do drill work and not drills. But I would do run fast. I would run fast. I wouldn't. Fast. Let's say you jumped into my program. It just came out on Thursdays. I said, let's do speed economy only. I would just have you run fast. I'd keep watching. I'd give you cues. We'd work through it and we'd just do that. You'd have fun. Would you come Tuesday or Thursday? Thursday. That's my program. That's that's what we do Thursday. Always we do speed economy. Make it really. It's a, it's a, your, your wife got, chewed out her ass got chewed out a little bit today she got poked a little bit today nice <laughs> but that that is a that that time is a time to to work that but anyway the point mm-hmm. being but to do that stuff really you want to add in and 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 weave in strength training mobility work whatever floats maybe, your fancy maybe whatever the gets stair you master. maybe well, i don't know about <laughs> that but yeah i don't mean cross training i mean because to me i think you should be doing high volume of swimming cycling and yeah, running and so it doesn't to take make away a lot from of, that yeah on the just, aerobic level is going to be mean, unless you wanted to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro and then I would just say, okay, back off that volume and go do that. But you know, it might do that. People, I believe me, people come with all kinds of crazy ideas of what they want to do. And I have to then try to balance again, they're full of shit. So I have to balance. You said you want to qualify for Boston, but you also want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Cool. I'm the kind of cool. I'm the kind of coach that's like, yes, we can do both. However, if you really, 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 really want to do the first, you want to do qualify for Boston. Kilimanjaro is does throw some wrinkles into the plan, but yeah, for sure. But it's worth doing, and it's good to do. Why would I tell somebody not to do that? Um, Maybe it would be worth coming back, um, September, yeah, October, yeah, and breaking that down and mm-hmm. breaking down what it was like to kind of stick to this whole mm-hmm. idea, which is free play, intentional work, yeah. Um, well, let's give them a little outline of what I would do the next bit, and we don't have to. We can, yeah, yeah. we can stop there, yeah, right? Go. We don't have to go all the way down that road because we are forty-five minutes in. But I do, do. I would just like to highlight that at that point, then I might start doing some specific work that you find what I would call your weakness. So, whatever area that you think is going to play out on course in Galveston. Um, or the woodlands. woodlands. Sorry, the woodlands. Wait, wait, which period are we talking about? Now we're uh, September, October, November. This is your pre. So you've got your base phase in, and then you're going. Oh, we're go- still in. We're still in the preseason. Yeah, I just non periodization. I did the non periodization free play, have fun, and then yeah. and then after that, I would do. I would then the next thing I would bring in is probably September. I'd spend a whole month keeping my volume up, and I would just really dial into some kind of strength mobility program. Kind of balance out the uh, make sure the weaknesses it, and make sure it fits your life. Mm-hmm. That's the key thing because you don't want to take it away. One of the great things that the great Steve Magnus, a coach who coached, at, uh, uh, wrote the great book, um, Science of Running, coached at uh, University of Houston, coached pros for a while. Um, he's got a great podcast with Jonathan Marcus. He, he he's, talks about um, layering, how, how you don't ever drop something you're doing. You just need to, what, what the, in, in the spiritual community, they call it transcend and include, right? Mm-hmm. So you do some of that work, but then you layer on something else. But that doesn't mean that you take something away. You try to find a way to balance that. So because you've got such high volume, it's going to be really hard to layer that strength training in, especially when you're learning new new movements and new new techniques and you've got new um, neuromuscular recruitment patterns that are being handled. You might have some soreness and your volume might drop just a little bit, but that's okay. What you're hoping is by the end of that phase when you've adapted to all that work that now your volume in your three sports is where it needs to be and you've now layered in that strength training so it's valuable then what i would do is i would take about in each sport depending depending on you might talk to your swim coach and you might talk to your cycling coach i'm not going to go into those Mm -hmm. but i might carve out um, a percentage of the work done to include a variety of different systems to be sure i'm handling my metabolic system in a variety of different ways that that i might not be good at especially so if I think my threshold is not very good or my VO2 is not very good, then what I would do is maybe the next two months, I would just work on that area. Like you were saying, oh, I can now, fo- well, now yeah, I can focus on something, but don't focus on what you're good at. Focus on what you're not good at because what's going to happen is you're going to get better and better at that while you're keeping your volume up, while you're doing your strength and mobility Safe work. Safe to assume that this is, this is for running program as well. I, I, this is what I'm thinking about it from a running yeah, perspective. Yeah, for sure. So I would be like, what I'm really weak at is I'm not a very good 5K runner. Right. Okay, well, let's keep your volume up and let's do some 5K work. 
for sure. Let's that mix makes in a sense. variety yeah. of different things. And we're not going to go just pure 5K, but one of my things is I like to do everything all the time. We've talked about that a number of times mm-hmm. on this episode. So I would make sure you're doing a little threshold work, doing a little VO2 max work, and doing some speed economy work. And I would play with it, but I would target it in, and I might actually have a race that I might want to get ready for during that phase. But especially something that you know that you're that's a weakness. So let's say your swimming is not your best. <laughs> then maybe what I would do is like try to get in some swim races. Mm. Or do something like that that says, let me go work on something I'm not very good at. So I can eat some sitch sandwiches here where it doesn't really matter that much and I'm not really worried about my mental game. <laughs> it's okay. It's all part of training. Or you might go out and do some crits. Or you might go do something. Just work just on... go keep up with the A group go keep here up in with Austin. Or go do that. Just, <laughs> Among and, the cyclists. Or, or come on a long run with the Telos crew, with our mm-hmm. 235 crew, and go... Because I know you're capable of doing that. How long can I go? I'm, I'm going to go out with them. I'm going to run with them. Stay with them as long as I can. And then I'm going to turn around and jog back home with my tail between my legs. But I learned something and I gained something. So you just play with that stuff and add some things. But always be thinking about what your weaknesses. Because then when you get started in October, I mean in, in January, now not only have you got your volume up, not only have you worked on that 1%, that really important scaffolding mm, stuff, that's got beautiful. that there, then what you've done is you've fucked around and got into some games and played some games and got into the mentality, but you're not doing what you're good at, so you don't expect to win. You're okay at losing because your failure is actually good, and now you're taking up, you're doing two things. Number one, you're gaining the skill set and the adaptation for those things. Number two, this is crucial, you're not taking yourself too seriously because starting in, in January, you're going to start taking yourself way too fucking seriously. In fact, I expect our podcast is going to drop in quality immensely. I'm just joking. I'm like, <laughs> I think you but, might be. But you know what I mean? It's going to get it's interesting. Like, yeah, you just start. We always do in this. In my like mind, start, I'm like, fuck it. I'm going pro. <laughs> and it's like I'm falling apart. <laughs> oh, hence adrenal failure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is what I was, this is what I'm saying. Like you get really good at sucking, but you learn and you know you're learning and the feedback loops start to get positive and now you're going into that next phase. You've shored up weaknesses. That's the essence of it. I'm glad you drove that home because I missed that there was even a second there's even a, a periodization yes. to the free play, which is to work on the shit that you're not good at before it gets real. Because you're not going to want to work. Not not only is it not good to work on that when you're doing it. You'll work on some of that stuff while you're going along. But it's more cohesion. You're trying to f- work on your swimming effectiveness to get done what needs to get done. And you're cycling to get done what needs to get done. And you're running to get done what needs to get done. You can get it done. Then you work on the stuff that you can't do. And then you put it all together. And now you're cooking with grease. Starts. Now you're cooking with grease. Now and you're then rolling. you can go out there. And it doesn't matter the times. You're just you're going out there and you're... And here, it's a whole different beast. And then I'm going to use a term that I think is so crucial. If you mm-hmm. can start your six month training block, bomb proof. Yeah. This is what this is what is people are missing. When I started this, I said, hey, if you have the if you have the luxury in your life to be able to do something like this, no one people rarely start training cycles bomb proof. They start cycles falling apart, holding it together, either falling helping, apart or not ready. We're not really ready for the what the what is required to get done to what needs to get done. I've only started training cycles in one of those two spectrums, and they are on the opposite ends of the spectrum. And I just the reason that I thought this topic was so important is because I don't think that I'm that atypical. In fact, one of the things that I pride on myself is that I can objectively observe like how average is the shit that I do, and the quality of the work that I do is extremely average. But I do it so. I set the, it's like nothing I do with a Treyu is above, like it, it. it's not necessarily at an elite level. It's just, I know this athlete because I am right in the middle. And it's so interesting that like, um, why I think this is so important because it took years to even set myself up to mentally prepare to have a period like this I've never even taken the time to do it because it always felt so and I understand it well I understand what it feels like to feel like you got to do it you know sooner than later I set the goal of running Boston and qualifying for Kona before I was 35 I'm 36 I did the Boston bit you know the the Kona bit I've I've let go of that goal because it wasn't a healthy goal you know, it's definitely a desire, but I can do it when I'm 50 or 60, you know, and now you may be it's surprised, just like, you may be surprised it might show up sooner than you realize. And it could you, be a symptom, but I think that preceding the symptom of like 
uh, metric qualifier would be something like something that I've never attempted before because I know that I'm like I can maybe get top 10 material but I can't get a podium material so like okay well now that we know that like what other lever can you pull I don't know do something completely different set yourself up so if you're listening to this I'm almost 100% positive if you're like me you take it seriously you want to do great shit you're setting awesome goals and you want to reach high the risk associated that with that is time and not being able to reconcile the systems that y'all talked about on the last episode and really understanding that and I think it's going to be a fun test, Steve. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really, really pumped about this new era of just at least trying it out. And one of the really cool things is just to double click on the importance of intention um, and setting that intention at the beginning is through each of these phases. And then again, as you start in January, you'll be able, you'll be good at setting intention. And, and when you get good at that, then you start recognizing how each one of those systems plays in to the work. So when you do metabolic work, you know that whether you've organized it or your coach has organized it, as long as you recognize what it is you're doing, you can say, okay, I'm setting my intention to work on my, um, my, my power on the bike. I'm going to get my power up and we're going to do this session that I'm doing this 45 minutes or hour or two hours. I'm on the bike. (laughs) This is the goal. Because mm-hmm. I understand, I understand it conceptually. I understand the concept around it, and I'm intending to do it. And then you go do it. Guess what happens? You get a you get a superpower out of it. I, I don't know what the metric is, but it's it's I I argue when you bring intention to the game, it's to the power of. So it's not a multiplier. It's a to the power of, which is a big difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I this is why I argue setting an intention from the beginning creates a bed and a foundation for setting getting good at setting intentions. And then you start setting intentions on a consistent basis. Then you have a habit now, a pattern of setting good intentions. And then your any bad habits that might show up, let's say that you're you're uh, somebody who just loves to eat candy and you just have a hard time not eating candy. I guarantee you by September, by October, I mean, sorry, by um, January, you candy won't even come into the equation because it's outside the scope of the desires and needs that you have because it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit anymore. And if it, or if it does fit, it fits in a way that you're intentional about. Like I'm going to have one Snickers bar. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to do. Not that there's any value or not value. I, I, I yeah, absolutely sure. chose something like that because it's pretty innocuous. Yeah. But then you are in, in control of yourself. Because ultimately, the most valued thing that you can gain prior to your Ironman event is self-trust, that you trust yourself. Training is designed trust building. And when you do it right, you stand on starting lines ready to go. And then the beautiful race is a matter of course. Mm. I've, I've heard a new term recently for the beautiful race, a true performance, mm. that a true performance is not a typical performance. A true performance is when you, everything's rolling and you're prepared and it lies out right in front of you just as it, it's supposed to. Not that it's all good, but that it lines up just as it's supposed to and you're presented with the challenges and the needs and you have the skill set to do it and you're standing on a starting line and you're not nervous. You know why you're not nervous? Because you trust yourself. This is what I learned from John Dahmer, the MMA, the, the jiu-jitsu coach. He said, the reason I don't need my athletes, he was talking about how an athlete needs to jump to another level. The, the interviewer was like, how do you get them to jump to the next level right before the race? He goes, oh, fuck, we don't ever do that. We train hard. <laughs> so that when they're standing there, they're like, no, they're ready. They're ready for everything. And then anything that does show up, if it beats them, then they got beat. But, yeah. but it had nothing to do. It was nothing nothing, some, nothing outside of yourself. No supernatural thing yeah. is necessary. It's all, of course, you're ready for it and you'll handle it. Doesn't mean you'll win, but it does mean you'll be prepared. And guess what? Then you're looking for the problems. You're excited for the problems because you're like, bring it, motherfucker. Yeah, I was, it, it's so interesting. When I was thinking about this topic, I was going through my head and I was like, you know what a good topic would be? And it's so obvious. How do we get better? <laughs> How do we learn? How do you, how do you, how do you, what is a, how do you PR? (laughs) Like, is it, is it, is it, do you design it or do you, is it intentional? It's a fun, it's a, it's like if your goal is to get, if you want to become in the elite field 
and you want to you want to get those entries into the Houston Marathon and you want the hotel room and you want all the stuff and you're a great runner and you're running 230s right now like what exactly <laughs> you know a two hour 30 minute marathon but you're like fuck it I want to go for 217 218 like what is that what's that period of you know I'm not even saying it's I'm, I don't want to put any ideas in anybody's heads but like let's just say like you want to do something between you want to set a goal that's outside of the wheelhouse but then you have to do what we're talking about right here right it's because an interesting you, one it's because not you're like, not going to chip away at it it's it's well you could but that's a big chip but i like what that mma coach said because it's like well how do you do it yeah fuck that shit we don't you know that's not a part of the intention design the intention design is whatever the symptom of the intention is 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 that's it like it, the 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 result of the intention that's it like, it's either positive or negative like the intention like, is to be ready yeah for sure the intention is to be ready uh, you know when that i was just giving lena a little shit with, for her speed economy session today and one of the things i said to that little crew that was doing the work um i said i mean ultimately if i said to you um i if i asked you do you want to get faster that's why you show up at 5.30 in the morning all the time because you want to get faster. Guess what getting faster requires? Change. You have to be something different. And so you can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. We know that that's insanity, right? So you got to do something different. And what's wrong with trying to be faster? And yeah, that doesn't mean that you need to necessarily take on the speed economy session and go all out. It doesn't necessarily mean do it faster. It just means desire to be faster follow and and they have a coach and he's a reasonably smart dude he's got some character flaws he's bad language sometimes you know sometimes he's lazy but he's a decent coach and you pay him so listen to him and try it and see what happens because my guess is you'll probably get faster because somebody's whole life whole whole occupational intention is to help everyday people who have full-time jobs and challenging lives get better. In fact, when I hear that their lives are more challenging, I get more excited because I'm like, okay, now I'm going to actually help you through the sport of running, teach you skill sets that will benefit you as a husband and as a employee or an employer and all the other attributes of your life because your life is so crazy challenging that what you just need to learn to do is how to live in love and balance and work and press and stress and get there in the right way, but find a way to do it. And running endurance of sports, they are the greatest teacher. Mm. They're the greatest teacher and they, they provide for us opportunity to, um, to fail so we can be faster. <laughs> yeah. It's so fascinating. <laughs> it's crazy. This was a fun one. Yeah. I really liked this one. It's, you know, part of, part of this process is just not thinking that we got it all figured out and I do not want to think that I have it figured out this time. So I'm just going to go, you know, this has been very, very insightful. I hope it's been insightful for anybody who thinks like me. I mean, we don't need to call ourselves like sometimes I'm self-deprecating or whatever. It's like we call ourselves average or whatever, whatever you want to call yourself. Just you're human. You think like me, you think like Steve. Um, I get it. You know, sometimes it's hard to cut through the noise. So hope this one was relevant. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you, it doesn't matter if whatever you, if you are average or you're not average, what really matters is, do you want it? Like, do you want that thing? And that just comes back to that intention. Like, uh, it, it, this is the danger and the challenge of why I think this topic is so good. And what I brought up about at the beginning, I'm just going to double click on it right before we end, which is, Hey, you, you really would benefit from taking on a challenge like Michael is. And you would benefit from it physiologically. You'll, you're, you're over, you will actually perform better in that year away or 18 months away than you would if you just went through two more cycles or three cycles of doing high metabolic, high focus on metabolic and cardiovascular work. And then your nervous system is going to get fritched and your musculoskeletal system is going to get broke down. And you're going and you're constantly going through that cycle over and over again. But if you take a step back, get yourself healthy, get back at it. And, um, you know, one thing that's really interesting too, is that the injury cycle mimics this and, and people sometimes short circuit that that might be a topic of conversation at some point about how an injury cycle is an opportunity to do what we're talking about right now and to come back stronger and healthier and better than ever. Cause mm. you know, let's say you get a stress fracture when you mend up and you heal up that stress fracture where you had that stress, it's actually stronger than mm -hmm. it was 
before you got that hurt. So the hurting actually makes you better. But no one goes at it from that perspective. They never intend from that place. Um, but yeah, this one was fun, Michael. Thanks for bringing this topic to bear. And um, of course, I couldn't help but tweak it and push it to the next topic. No, I, I love it. <laughs> the inside scoop. What it's like to for an athlete and a coach to talk about training when yeah. they talk about training. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, y'all. Godspeed. Enjoy yourselves. I just want to add. I just wanted to add a little bit um, to the end of this um, because I just wanted to thank all of you who are listening to this podcast. We keep getting a steady build in the number of listeners, and so that means some of you must be sharing it with other folks. So thank you for that. And those of you who have shared it, um, please keep doing so if you find it useful. And if you haven't, please do so. One of the ways you can help this get to the listeners who need to hear about it the ones who can benefit from it um, is by giving us a review on your podcast um, delivery service of choice. Um, seems like iTunes is a great place, but Spotify now has options for that. And well, wherever you are, there's probably a way for you to say, Hey, I like this episode or I like that episode, or I like the podcast in general. Um, again, we're not monetizing this thing. We do it just for the absolute love of it, but there's something about the content that we're creating that I think is um, really beneficial for everyone who runs. And so we'd love for more people to get um, exposed to it. And in that, in the service to that, or, or just to just to show you that there are some who, who are kind of giving us that kind of love, I wanted to read to you a review that we got on the episode. Um, the episode we called... Um, the Art of Running, which was Grace in a Beautiful Race. This is coming from B in Brooklyn. The episode called The Art of Running is a game changer. What an incredible 30 minutes. The hosts discuss art, mindfulness, and sport as a part of a living practice in simple and practical terms from their own experiences. It resonates, y'all. So thank you to B in Brooklyn, and thank you to all of you who are listening to us throughout the world. We greatly appreciate your interest. Um, and if you want more to get it, people to get to this, um, that's the way it happens, either through word of mouth and you pushing it on people or making these kinds of posts or these kinds of reviews. So thanks to all who do. And if you don't, no worries. Just know um, our goal, our mission is to get this into more hands and on into more ears and to have people enjoy the content. So thanks again for your coming on this journey with us. We're certainly having a good time and look forward to this coming week where we have Paul Carosa again for his second time on the episode. Thanks, y'all. Godspeed. <laughs>